Hello and welcome to another episode of the PD Performance Podcast. Today's podcast is a conversation with a former work colleague of mine, Ollie Trotman. Ollie is a youth specialist strength and conditioning coach in Singapore, and we have a very thought-provoking conversation about youth athlete coaching, athlete monitoring, problems in the health industry, and the impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on people's health across the world. As always, I hope you enjoy it. Remember, like it, share it, and send it. Mate, how are we doing? Good to chat to you. Hello, PT Performance. <laughs> Long time since I've heard your voice. I know. Likewise, it's um, it's always refreshing to hear hear an Irish accent. Same, like well, nah, I could say the same about the Welsh, but been hearing a good few of them recently. I suppose with the Six Nations going on and them stumbling through to um, win it, so. Uh, I would I would like to reciprocate what you just said, but I'm afraid I can't. A win is a win, Pete. A win is a win. Exactly. As Warren Gatlin put it so eloquently before, Wales have forgotten how to lose. <laughs> um, what have you been like up to today? today? Oh, tears. It's because COVID-enforced um, haircuts. I forget that that side of the world is still wrestling with um, managing that. Yeah, so obviously you're in Singapore. How are you getting on? What's the situation like? You're are you pretty much normal life, like? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to really rub it in or anything to uh, anyone that ends up listening. But yeah, I mean, life's life's pretty much back to normal, minus uh, having to wear a mask and obviously adhere to social distancing and sort of smaller groups if you are going to socialize. Not that I socialize ever, but yeah, I, I mean. I'm, I'm pretty pretty lucky to be in Singapore. That's what I was going to say was um, your life is so boring anyway that it doesn't really matter. Did you even <laughs> notice the lockdown? It makes no difference to me, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, so what you get up to today? Well, I've attempted to watch Godfather 2. Uh, Baby David made me watch Godfather 1 earlier in the week. And um, I mean, I'm now one hour and 45 minutes into Godfather 2. It's a three and a half hour film. Yeah, like there's a, there's a few like that. Uh, I haven't actually took the plunge into watching both of them. He's probably going to message me after this, after he hears this to say that I have to, I'll add them to the list, but that's probably what puts you off watching them the most is the length of time you have to dedicate to it. It's serious. Yeah, I mean, I could I can't say I'm watching it properly. I'm, it's kind of one in the background and then I'm prepping, I've got, my last uh, five weeks of my PGC, which starts next week. So we are, we've had two weeks of Easter break. So um, I've been back and forth learning about mafia and uh, pedagogical strategies. It's a good combo. You can uh, you can apply some of the, the things that are in the movie, I'm sure, into working with kids in school. Yeah, just slip, slip a little horse's head in someone's bag. <laughs> exactly. So... Yeah, I was going to ask you about something that, as you said, baby David um, touched on with me, that you've gotten into CrossFit, but you've told me that this is untrue. Well, so I, I took a training sabbatical for probably like two months. Um, Wouldn't be like you. Start a, 
Well, most people start a New Year's resolution in January, but I thought I'd just stop <laughs> do the reverse. So, um, I mean, I've had two weeks of Easter break, so I took, I tried to take these two weeks uh, as an opportunity to sort of build myself back into things. And in typical Ollie fashion, I just thought I'd just plunge straight into the deep end and uh, join like a, a local CrossFit. I'm going to call it a gym, not a box. Um, join a local CrossFit gym for for a month just to keep myself a bit more accountable in a group setting. So, I mean, I, I can't really complain. I've enjoyed it. I've, I'm bad at it. I know that. Um, yeah. A great GPP phase for getting you back into, uh, into training, just going straight for the CrossFit yeah. Olympic lifts on Olympic lifts. Yeah, no comment on that. I mean, my shoulders would, would agree with you, I think. Um, I am. I mean, my knees aren't the happiest, but it's... Uh, it's been it's been a kickstart, so the plate is now spinning again, and now I'll I'll sort of rein it rein it back in. I've I've been trying this thing called cardio as well, and I, I don't think I I don't think I'm built for that, but I'm trying to get a bit better at it. Yeah, like lucky you said it all there, really. Like in terms of, I've spoke about it as coaches. I'd probably do the same thing. We're all fairly extreme, and we just we we use our own coaching systems and protocols with our clients and stuff but then we just kind of gloss over it for ourselves and it's like oh it doesn't apply to me though I can just I can just go straight into it and then I'm just laughing as well at you talking about the cardio because remember the day we said we were gonna try and get a thousand (laughs) um calories on what was it it was skier rower and the assault bike and obviously yourself and uh, David like in the first couple of rounds were were hitting a lot higher um, max powers and calories than I was but like mine was quite low but it just kind of stayed the same the whole time whereas you were up here and then it just after two David was doing his Vim half breeding in the corner trying to prep himself for his fifth round yeah I mean I had I just completely forgotten about that but yeah well, that was that was a an interesting I don't even what you call it yeah. idea I think what it came about, it was like a half hour turnaround of like, oh, let's do this. Yeah, okay, that sounds great. <laughs> it didn't feel great anyway. It was not great. No, um, but no, I agree with you about being extreme as well. Like, I, I, I'm definitely that sort of personality. I'm either all in on something or or not. And that yeah. has obviously pros and cons. Um, but I'd like to think I'm self-aware enough to know, well, I've learned that about myself and I try to sort of navigate and dance with with that knowledge to try and um get positive outcomes but it's not always the case and that's also okay so yeah um same roll with it ditto like you kind of you're always kind of figuring out about yourself and it's uh as a coach like you have to know when to pull it back like i had a conversation last week with a power lifter and i was asking him in terms of like they obviously use the RPE model for like their their lifts and their sets. And I was like, do you ever find when you're not feeling good, like typically coaches will sometimes push the RPE too high on their training sessions when they probably should be just going in, checking in and getting the lifts done. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. And I think we all kind of do that. I think that's kind of the nature of the type of people that get into this profession. Yeah, I think so. It's funny you say that. I've just been flicking through twitter earlier not that i do that often it makes me makes me sick but um 
uh, a tweet popped up from Will Fleming and he, he was on about the best sort of the best way he's or the best measure he's used to work out volumes for any given day or intensities for any given day is is velocity as opposed to you know RP. I don't don't be wrong. I think RP will get you get will get you somewhere. It's not it's not it's not a bad thing to use, but if you were looking for that reliability, you know, aspect, then looking at velocities and having a finger pulse or a finger read on on what they are on any given day is going to be the better better strategy. But that's not always viable for everyday people. Exactly, like it's a luxury to be able to access that kind of software, I suppose. Um, and if we could all use it, we would all use it. But it's just a matter of kind of that's at the top, very. Um, I don't know, very yeah. in-depth analysis. And then the further you get away from a subjective measure to an objective, objective, um, do I have that mixed up? Objective to subjective. Um, yeah. It's going to be less, less reliable, but um, it's something. And like whatever you can do yeah. to, to gauge how you're going, I suppose, is the number one thing that I would say to people anyway. Um, I don't even, like a lot of my clients, I wouldn't even, I'd use a, full session rp i wouldn't use it on um every single lift um i'd give yeah. them i'd go for percentage and you can do percentage of one rm plus rp but um i think a lot of the clients that i'm working with are fairly new to even working through um working the force velocity curve into their training so i try not to yeah. throw too much at them at once because even sending me videos of their lifts and doing like sometimes even just doing the session RP at the end is too much for them. They don't even bother putting it in. And I'm like, Oh Jesus, please just put that in so that I know how I can progress. Because if we're hitting, if we're hitting fives all week or we're hitting nines all week, like I know that I have to vary the training load for the next week, you know, but it's not for everyone. And that's something that actually I was, going to touch on which i didn't send you in the questions but um the scott coon is that how you say his name his his strength coach network presentation on using google sheets for monitoring i saw that you had a message on there as well and i implemented it with the lads at um the school i was working with um on the rugby team and i found that it was really really good for the elite kind of players and the guys that were wanting to be elite they'd always fill it out so i'd have the same like 12 to 15 lads would fill it out even like i didn't even ask them at the start to fill it out every day but those lads were filling it out every day i just wanted them to do a weekly one um and then yeah. for other people they just wouldn't bother with it. and then what i found as well is the people that were flaring up and getting these overuse injuries were the ones that weren't filling it out because I wasn't able to monitor um, how they were getting on. And then you just pushed them too far. And I, yeah. I don't know if you implemented it, but did you find something similar? Well, I played around with the sheet and then I came up, I had some like software issues on using Google Sheets on a Mac and the certain functions that Scott was, or well, the, the level of detail he goes into about like formulas and stuff. I just wasn't able to get the right add-ons to my browser. So I ended up canning that and just going old school. But I mean, when I was back at Swansea, we used sort of the, the smarter base system, which was um, you know pretty handy. Then also just just a you know acute chronic ratios and just a rolling a rolling daily score that you're able to get every morning. Obviously, being in that environment where you are 
in theory working with at the elite end of that population and you have the contact time to, to chase and gather that data but I mean at the school that's something that we're I'm trying to work towards and trying to get there more so out of a again just obviously being in Singapore climate here is always warm so the weather is never really going to halt sport per se or it's not going to halt kids be kids being physically active like it would in the UK with that winter and I, I I just no one's no one's really got a proper read on you know how active these kids are like you can you can get a sense of what after school activities they're doing you know on a weekly basis at school but there's so many clubs in Singapore that you can do external sports with that we haven't got a clue of, of, of how much total load they're going through so that's something as a next step with my sort of like current role at the school that's that's something I'm trying to I guess I like work towards but I mean I'd, I'd, I'd need more pairs of hands because yeah. there's a lot of kids that would need data collected and it's finding the best way to do that to be consistent yeah it's it's a difficult one as well because I found the same thing like I'd be still working with a few kids in Singapore and as you touched on there there's so many clubs and so many options of extracurricular activities and sports that they can play that typically their load is just through the roof and at the start of working with them I would have only asked them how they got on with the sessions that they were with me or whatever but then I quickly figured out that you had to ask them right what were you doing at your school training today because I was obviously working in a club setting I was like and what did you do at basketball training because they're they're all playing tons of different sports they could be playing football basketball um rugby they could be swimming they could be doing uh, long distance running athletics and that's good as well yeah, yeah. It, it's good that they're doing all and getting exposure to all these different sports um especially at the developmental kind of age that they're at but at the same time too much of all of them um occurs quite frequently and too much of everything is a bad thing i suppose so that's why you need to kind of yeah. monitor it and sometimes the sports coaches can be a little bit resistant to that in that you might say to the kid it's like right well tomorrow I just want you to do 70% of the session or whatever um yeah and the sports coaches are like well you've got to do our fitness work because we want to be the fittest team it's like well is that fitness work going to be the difference between making e uh, or making this kid an incredible player or, or not because he's after doing two training sessions already today so I would say that he's already pretty cardiovascularly fit like yeah I mean there's an abundance of that and that's like a, a big gripe of mine is, is people involved in youth sport you know for the for, for the wrong reasons and if, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you don't put the athlete first in a youth youth development space then like, I'm quite clear about that I think you should like just get out like don't don't bother you, you don't belong there but unfortunately you know any pros and cons to it there's loads of opportunities with working with you so you're going to get you know the next generation of coaches coming in but you've also got like the old the old guard as well that are you know still in the mix and this is how we did it back in my day da, 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 da. but i think you know having a finger pulse on on weekly loads and looking at some sort of like you know, acute chronic ratio is only going to be a, of a benefit. And that's something that parents can do quite easily, you know, with the RPE, um, asking your kid, you know, scale of one to 10, 
how hard you find a session and you know log down how many minutes that activity was for and you can start to build up a little bit of a bank which I've started to do with a few a few kids here um, and parents that are proactive and eyes open yeah. um, with regards to their their child's development but, but I mean it's, 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 it's tough isn't it um, yeah I say especially here the, the kids have so much there's so much volume thrown at them and I'm not necessarily against volume it's it's you know it spikes in volume and yeah given you know where you are in the world and the covid situation you know when sport is allowed back how many of uh how many of the sports you sports coaches you know understand you know principles of progressive overload and understanding that their kids are going to be in a very detrained state i think i saw something again on on the the golden instagram um of some club in the UK that were running like bleep tests on the first session back in a youth football club. And like, why don't, you, why don't you just get a ball and let them play for a bit? Yeah, exactly. I'm sure the, that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. And that's more conducive to them being better at the sport is actually playing the sport as well. I actually, it's funny you touched on that because obviously school sports is kind of going back the last just under a month I suppose over here and um, yesterday I had two kids message me with that they had shin splints so like it just shows that I think it's a case of I know coaches want their teams to do well and stuff but they almost try and make up for lost time yeah when when we come back and it's like oh we've all this work to get through we've got to get through it whereas they would be better off just with a gradual progression and uh, back in but what are they rushing for? They haven't got the Olympics around the corner. I know, I know. They don't have the Olympics, but you know what's bigger than the Olympics is the Leinster Schools <laughs> Senior Cup. Um, uh, but, yeah, look, it, it, it happens. And, you know, the thing is that a lot of those coaches probably are conscious of it and they're trying. They just, when they don't have somebody that is there to monitor the athletes in person and say like whoa we, we need to we need to cut this now there's enough there um that that yeah. drill has gone on longer than we expected and it was a higher intensity than we expected or as we said like monitoring how the session went overall and that was something that i figured out as well was working with one team that i was with we were taking all the analysis that we could on GPS and everything. And mm. the lads were all getting overuse injuries and we were looking at the GPS and we were kind of saying, well, they're not actually doing that much, like in terms of total volume, running volume and stuff like that. And mm. then one day I was just like, do you know what? Like we haven't actually asked them once though, what, how they felt they were going like, or, or what they thought, or if they're finding it difficult. And that's probably more important than taking the total running volume load is how the actual individual is coping. Yeah. So then we started doing that and it was actually using Scott's Google Sheets kind of setup. And I, what I found really, really useful was the way that the wellness was based off a rolling kind of um, metric. Yeah. So like uh, hard to say, it, but the soft lads, um, if they're just soft and it's really high all the time, it doesn't flag because their wellness doesn't change. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that I found really, really good was that they could flag where they were feeling sorest or what was tight. And that was flagging then the body parts that were most at risk and were suffering the most. And then I could use that to base what we were doing in the weight room off of it because I knew where we were lagging behind. Um, 
and it was always the same ones as well. Like it was, it was also good for on pitch as well because it was always um, calves, shins, hamstrings, lower back. That that was pretty much yeah. it all yeah. the time. Well, how many how many athletes did you did you use that sheet with then? At any oh, one time? It was so it was three rugby teams. So it was fifty, I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, and and how how many more athletes would you feel comfortable chucking in? To that sort of system that you could manage and you know be attentive to yes that's exactly a good point that's what i was finding as well and it was probably useful yeah. in a sense that it was after say you always have the first month or two it's going to go really well and they're going to be really receptive to it but then yeah. after a while as i said it was the guys that were really diligent that were filling it out every day and then the other yeah. guys, they might just fill it out every two weeks or they might not fill it out at all. So it probably got whittled down from 50 down to about 12 to 15. But the usefulness yeah. of that, I suppose, was that the 12 to 15 that were filling it out were the first 15. So they were typically the older kids. So that yeah. was good in that they were taking ownership of their own kind of health and wellness and and recovery and then I still had time to work on it with the younger guys because they're they're not going like for the younger guys it's not about um actually how will I phrase this for all of them it's never about just winning and competition and and getting getting the trophy home I suppose but at the top first 15 level when they're 18 years old they've been kind of building for really really long time and there's parents invested I know which we shouldn't be talking about but the kids are invested and they want to do well as well so um how yeah. they perform is probably more important to them and to others rather than the younger kids who are who are not quite at that level yet they're very much in a yeah. developmental stage so you're actually just working on um, them enjoying it as much as they can whilst improving as much as they can and uh, getting the necessary habits for when they do go to that competitive level at the next level. Um, yeah. So that was why it was it was probably fine just having the twelve to fifteen guys from the first fifteen filling it out. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think with a dynamic like that, like I found it, you know, back back in back in Wales when I had my little business and little classes we used to do after school. There's definitely there's definitely merit in having what I think anyway within your training group, having a mixture of older and young, younger kids. Because I think the, the, the peer influence uh, and, that, and that peer social factor is, is so big. Like I think back to when I was in school and I can, I can remember now when I was in primary school, I used to look up to a certain individual who was in year six. And I was in, I was in year two at the time, who was really sporty, tennis, you know, tennis, tennis pro at the time for year six. But I'd always look up to him and his behaviours. And I remember, you know, that following me through as, as I went through the same state school as him. I'd always be looking up to what he was doing and trying to trying to mimic. And this kid had no idea. Like he'd still have no idea now. So I think having your having those those peer role models within within teams is is super important. And having that right, you know, that that right fostering environment where younger kids don't feel you know they can't be there, uh, which you know it can be a can be a you know a fine balance because you know some older kids like to create their own little, like cliquey groups and shut out the younger ones. But you know as a coach, if you can set the tone and you know again like I guess like foster or encourage that, you know laying a path for the next generation, 
I think you're on you're on to a winner, and that to me transcends any sort of physical performance change that we're going to have in the gym. Yeah. Um, if you can create that sort of social, psychosocial aspect and development for for young kids, that's going to transcend beyond sport. A hundred percent. And something that I found useful, um, because as you touched on there, the the peer influence can be either positive or negative. Um, And something that I found very, very useful anyway, and it it comes from rugby, it kind of comes from the All Blacks, and I think nearly it it could work in any setting, is uh, leadership groups. So you touched on cliques. Now, the leadership group, I suppose, is... It could be considered a clique in a sense, but because it's partly player uh, picked and partly coach picked, you can kind of pick kids that under certain circumstances could potentially be a negative influence. And it gives them a little bit more responsibility. And they kind of, from my experience anyway, they they always kind of step up to the plate and realize, oh, I'm setting an example for the younger lads here. Now I have to, I have to um, talk that, talk to them. Uh, help them along and also in my own actions kind of do what I would hope the rest of the team would do as well so that's something that I would I was I found very very useful and I suppose I've been lucky in the groups that I've been in that the kids I will actually do you know what I think it kind of goes without saying in most groups that you're in um, the kids are always generally good kids and it's just sometimes that external influences um, can impact them in a negative way and then they, they pick up on habits. And as coaches, as you touched on there, like we, it's our job to set an example as well. So a question I'd have for you would be, how would you try and set a positive example or be a positive role model for the kids when in, in the groups that you coach? Uh, um, I don't know. I guess I've, I've, I, still my, I still see myself as a kid, which I think is a, which is a, a definite plus. Um, I mean, I, I don't think I take myself too seriously. Well, I'll, or at least I don't, I'd like to think I don't, um, which I you think don't. definitely helps. <laughs> Good, thanks, Pete. Which I think definitely helps in terms of building rapport, which is, I think it's the first, for me, it's the first block that you've got to tick off with anyone. Like you can't, for me, I can't, uh, I don't feel like I've had a positive coaching experience with any of the athletes or any of the kids at the school if, if I haven't had established that communication connection. So I don't know, that's a, a good question. I mean, you're Sounds, assuming that I am a good, you, no, you're assuming that I am. I, a well, good I know, I know that you are. I know that you are. I know that you are. I've seen you in action. But as you touched on there, it sounds like you're kind of building trust with the athlete and the coach, um, between the athlete and the coach. But at the same time, you're just, being yourself to an extent and kids are like dogs in a way um, that they can kind of they can spot the bullshitters from a mile away so if you try to be something that you're not it just doesn't work yeah just being honest like I've had instances before Easter where you know within within like within our after school sort of strength school program there's like obviously a group of boys there that are close to each other and you could turn your back and next next thing you know they, there's choke holes going on and all sorts and you know oh, you and, don't you do know, it like that you do it like this <laughs> come here jimmy <laughs> the window um no and like and kids know when they shouldn't and should be doing something um 
I know the first time I picked up and I was like, come on, fellas, like, that's all that. Yeah. Like, we don't, we don't need to do any of that. Like, save that for outside. Like, turn around again. Next thing I know, you know, Jimmy's back up against the wall, about to get tombstoned. And, um, you know, I, I've got no problem. I've got no problem, you know, pushing the button and kicking a kid out of a session just to let them have a bit of a reset and a timeout, uh, which is what I ended up what I'm doing. You know, sent them outside. You know, it wasn't necessarily angry in my tone or anything. Like, yeah. again, kids know when they should or shouldn't be doing it. And, you know, the fact that all of his friends are laughing as well, like it, it's just it's just one of those yeah. situations that you're going to find in a coaching environment working with kids. Uh, and I don't really like to I don't really like to to quash that. I I kind of want to keep that, but then it's educating them like there's a time and a place for that. And I kind of spoke to the kid after. I was like, look, like I want you to come back into the session, and and no, I'm not going to take this further. Um, but like I want to stop choke <laughs> choke slamming Jimmy in the in the in the lifted session like you can have a laugh i'm all for that but let's just save that for another time where um where it's not going to cause potential more damage but i think you know some people crack the whip too hard discipline wise um especially with kids which can then discourage them from participating in a given activity so it's a fine it's a fine balance because obviously you want to establish sort of boundaries and uh, certain behaviors and expectations which, which can you know which can be done you know through through discipline but I don't have too much discipline too much order we're going down the Jordan Peterson route now too much order is not necessarily a good thing either so um, yeah I think being a role model is is understanding that I don't know that 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 dance between you know setting good habits having you know good morals whatever that means but also you know acknowledging that you know you're not perfect all the time by putting your hands up when you get stuff wrong and you know having open and honest conversations about you know stuff that you've struggled with or or even sometimes stuff that you're going through that you can you know could be be compassionate with i think i think that's 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 an important part of you know coaching toolbook that again you don't really well i definitely had no lectures on that when i was in uh university it's something that you pick up through through doing and through coaching and reflecting um on your own practice and yourself as an individual yeah you touched on a load of things there that i love the first one that i'm going to touch on was the fact that you said well obviously it's when the kids overstep those boundaries that you have to kind of crack the whip but if your boundaries are too narrow and you crack the whip or or you end up angry and shouting all the time then the moments where you're actually need to be uh, cracking the whip and angry it gets lost in noise whereas it's gas in terms of like I'm sure you've experienced the same thing in that usually I'd be fairly went into sessions happy go lucky and have a laugh with them or whatever but then when you do give them that look or whatever it's like the whole room is just like oh shit <laughs> um, because you don't do that typically so they're like oh we did something really naughty here I, I like um, we better all get on with the session now so it works it works way better than if you're just saying get out all the time like, get out of the weight room yeah. get out of the gym um, yeah. and that's like you're sacrificing the, the time that you make the judgment that this kid has to leave the gym is the time that it's going to affect the group in a worse fashion than it's going to affect that individual if they leave the gym, if you get me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I get you. Um, yeah, so, well, I mean, every, I mean, every, everything is, you know, ultimately context dependent, and my, you know, my, my tolerance, you know, I, you know, I warn, I warn once, I warn twice, and normally it's like three strikes. I'm like, okay, then something's going to change um, with how I'm approaching a situation. Obviously, it's all dependent on what the situation is. Like, if I'm turning around and I don't know there's there's a dumbbell about to be, you know, purposely dropped on someone's head then i mean that's a that's an automatic that's an automatic you're out um but i mean i I'm, you know that's not that's not common at all i'm just i'm just highlighting a you know recent a recent example you know working with kids that sign up for an after school program not necessarily sporty want to learn how to uh to move and lift weights so you've got a whole mix bag there which i think is great you know boys and girls you know, older kids younger kids sometimes you'd look maybe from an outsider's perspective look in and go that's chaos um but there's order uh, and processes and systems that we have when we're teaching movements that the kids you know we spend a lot of time initially on the front end um getting them up to speed with with how the session flows and how it will be individual based on your competence as opposed to you know any other factor um you know if you're, if you're competent enough in a certain exercise then you will progress it regardless of if you're 16 or if you're you know 14 you know c- coaching coaching kids is is something that i like i wouldn't change like i've known early on early on that i want to to work within a youth development system uh you know dabbles a bit with adults but you know just the impact you can have with the next generation is uh the thing that drives me yeah, that's what I was going to ask you as well, is why kids over adults? Yeah, I said it before, I am I am still a kid. I still definitely still see myself as a kid. Uh, but again, it's just the long-term, the long-term impact you can have on them. Uh, like I've, I'm not really interested in working with elite sport. I mean, that might change over time, but I know the little bits of like tastes that I've seen and had like, you know, experiences with, I don't know, it's, it's more about like, managing like ego and like the finite percent percent changes and I just know that's that's not really my 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 cup of tea I think I I'd like to think that you know for for some kids not every kid aspires to be like mum or dad they not every kid um you know aspires to be like their siblings and that's where I think that's why I feel so passionate about like youth development is you know for a lot of kids their coach is going to be potentially someone they're looking up to or is it always another figure that they can compare against existing figures in their life and they can go hang on I could I could be like that or he believes in me or she believes in me you know if, 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 if I can have you know that effect on five kids like that's a that's a win but as you yeah. said earlier like the number one thing there, obviously, first you have to be a good person, but the number one thing in that is authenticity. So you don't try to be something that you're not. You just be yourself, and then the kids, the kids see through it if you try to be something that you're not. In my first yeah. year as an SNC, I went in and I was like trying to be this stereotype. You know that? What's the Twitter page? Angry strength coach or whatever. <laughs> name drop um angry strength coach or whatever and you're like it's just like oh i was up at 5 a.m and i got a workout in before this and and 
you try and do that and it's like this is fucking miserable I don't want to do this um yeah. and the kids see through it it's like what Peter why are you so tired and I was like because I was up at 5 a.m it's like why are we up at 5 a.m we didn't have a session until half six uh I, yeah that's actually a good point I don't know why I was up at 5 a.m but yeah, like yeah, authenticity well, is overlooked and it's not talked about in your education whatsoever, as you touched on it. Yeah, well, when I was over in the States a bit of time, like that was my, that was my take on, on a, well, okay, only one, only one college environment, but it was early mornings and then late finishes. And that was like, that was kind of like the put on a pedestal as, this is what you, this is what you need to do to be a you know a great, a great strength coach. And I, you know, if, do you have to get up? You know, do you have to get up early? No. Like, do you have to finish late? No. I mean, it's all again. again, it's all it's all context dependent, and there are reasons as to why that system that I was involved in worked like that because it was they had so many teams they had to train, um, and there was only a certain amount of hours in the day that you could around you know, schooling timetable. So if it's, if it's going to change, I think it's got to come from a, the education institutes themselves that recognize, you know, staff well-being, student well-being, mm-hmm. and it would ha- it'd have, to, it'd have to come from the top as a, as a top-down initiative. I think, though, as well as that, the, the education has to move from middle to top, if you get me, in terms of, like, sometimes at the educational and the institute level, they won't actually understand the health and wellness aspect as much. And they'll, they think that the stereotype is what makes um, organizations, sporting organizations work. So they think, oh, mm. they're, they're a great football team. They get up at five o'clock and they go to the gym and then they go for a swim and then they have their breakfast. And it's just um, it's just eggs and steak. And then they go after that, they go for a pitch session. Then they come in, they have a recovery session and they think that's how it operates. And that's what leads to results. Whereas if you can offer an alternative to them, then they're like, well, maybe we could change this. Maybe we could do it in a in healthier fashion. Um, yeah. But okay. So I'm, I'm okay. Devil's advocate then. So, you know, it is, is, could that not be applied to how we view the all blacks? Yeah. You know, I know, I know, you know, not knocking, you know, the All Blacks, they've got their way of doing things, they're like sweeping the change rooms, all that jazz, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, do we put these certain uh, habits or traits or behaviours on pedestals and we associate that with, well, that's that's what success is. And yeah. I, 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 I don't know, is, is, is that the case? I, I remember <laughs> working with one of the uh, rugby academies back in Wales, we were... We were on a on the bus down to play one of like the big West um, rugby houses, and um, the bus was chaos. Like it was, it wasn't like headphones in. Like you see, like NBA, mm. everyone getting off the bus, like in the zone. It was mental on the bus. I'm pretty sure at one point the bus door, like the fire exit, flew open on the M4. Um, like it was, it was carnage, carnage, but. You know, change your rooms, boots on, and yeah. you know we ended up winning the match. And if you look, if you look, there's an, as again as an outsider, one of these like Netflix documentaries, like pre-game routines, and you just saw what was going on on the bus. But then, yeah. and able, able to pull, pull out a result. You know that, that yeah, that's just one 
one minor example. But well, I think that's where the All Blacks kind of differ as such as well. Obviously, it, they gain the attention initially because of their success ratio on the field. But the true success of an organization is the habits and behaviors of the people within that organization off the field. And from yeah. the couple of times that I've heard Steve Hansen spoken and the the a, a few of the players that when they went into the All Blacks initially, they considered themselves to be um, not as good of a human being as they were when they left it. And part of that is is because they went into, well, like they, they make their own mistakes as well, but the group is there and the coaching staff is there to set an example and say, look, we accept that you made a mistake, but how are you going to improve on that or how are you going to better yourself? And I think that's something that they do well. Obviously, being outside of, New Zealand rugby circles maybe we we don't know the full story you know um we're it's obviously we're given a pretty picture of it as you touched on there but yeah yeah I I agree with you to an extent but the difficulty there is in that some people will just measure their success in based off results on the field or on the track or wherever um and that's that's not what it's about that's what we touched on earlier in terms of when I was talking about the like, obviously at that first 15 level, it's based on success because they want to succeed. But what success looks different for everybody. Um, so just because you didn't win doesn't mean you didn't achieve anything. If all of those guys enjoyed themselves and want to continue to play the sport, is yeah. that not a win in itself as well? Yeah, well, this, but yeah, but t- t- okay, don't disagree with anything. I totally agree with you. And I think that's what I mean is like, what you know, what is. What is success based on any given level? You know, I'm sure you're aware of certain organizations that have these catchy taglines and strap lines about, you know, being the best team and all this jazz, but it's, it's not what you have stuck on a wall. Um, and it's not what you talk about. It's, it's what you do. Again, you, you, you've got the, you've got the, the people that read all these like self-help books as well that can't get enough, you know, content, in but actually what really matters is that that's the output and I, you know you, you're right it's you know it's, it's it's who you are away from the game as well like, like you said with the all blacks especially maybe especially at that level you know you know what what does what does success look like to you to me yeah on a on a, on a I don't know on a sorry to, to... on a to dip it, but cont- it's all contextual. It's all based on the environment that you're in. But do you mean on a on a um, self reflection kind of level? Well, yeah. On, on a, well, I, when I've thought about this, it's like you've got success on a personal level. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Then you've got success on a maybe in a in a career sense. Then you've got maybe success with a certain group of kids. Then you've got another layer layer down from that with what does success mean for Billy compared to Bob? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, do you have certain success criteria that you look for? Let's say when working with uh, with athletes as a generic start point. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's it's anything generic, but it's something that I was going to touch on um, in the next couple of weeks as well. And I think the number one thing I know I've said it already, but I think the number one thing is enjoyment, and it enjoy like this applies to both kids and adults in their training with me. Um, because 
there are certain things that then can feed into that enjoyment and on an adult and on a on a juvenile level like often improving and results can feed into that so but the two of them buzz off each other or improve uh, concurrently if you get me because if you're not enjoying it then you're not going to see the results that you want whereas likewise if you're enjoying it but you're not seeing results then the enjoyment is going to dip um so i like that's what i say to to anybody that's going to work with me it's like because some like as we talk about all the time if you're working with people individually in the health and fitness industry often they come to you with really warped ideas and uh really poor relationships with both food and exercise so like a couple of weeks ago one of my clients um didn't book in for the weekend um consultation or whatever and i was like oh mate it's it's fine don't worry about it. we'll just do um we'll just do a voice note or whatever consultation this week um and he's like no i should have done it i'm really upset and then he's like he didn't message me at all and then a couple of hours later he's like i just ran a really fast 5k to punish myself and i was like oh my jesus we have some work to do here like because we're trying to create a healthy relationship with um with exercise and likewise like some other clients might be saying like oh like i'm feeling real tired and real sore but i've been eating really clean and i was like well what does eating clean mean to you now because it means washing your food first isn't it yeah like like what like what I have typically found is when people say eating clean, they don't put anything in their body that they enjoy. <laughs> they put the complete opposite. So it's just, um, it's just plain veg, plain meat. And if they're lucky, they might put in a few carbs, but typically what happens is they don't eat enough then. And I'm like, yeah. so like for some clients, I might say to them like, right, well, your relationship with food we need to work on that so for a certain people now this is all contextual i might say like you have to eat a piece of chocolate every day and like you might think in the health and fitness industry it's like you'd be doing the opposite of that you'd be taking it out but some people just see everything as so black and white that they're only going to benefit from saying like look i can have everything in in order as such or eat as healthy as i want but i have to be able to enjoy myself at the same time and you're trying yeah. to teach that in terms of habits, I guess, which is difficult. But the other thing that I think is gas in that you said, oh, I prefer working with kids and all the way like I'd work with both kids and adults and I like the mixture. But I'd say if you can work with kids, you could work with adults because adults are just big kids at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I, I mean, I've, I've, I don't currently train any adults. I just I just stick to stick to you know kids at the school the sports teams we've got. There's no there's no pulling it pulling it for me at the moment. But then in terms of what I might be a good one to move to, because we're talking about the health and fitness industry now as such. What is currently your pet peeve in terms of the health and fitness industry or in terms of strength and conditioning? Oh God, um, <laughs> so many. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I told you before before we started recording. I, I I've had to block, I've had to block people or accounts on Instagram because I just the stuff that pops up now it just it it just infuriates me. Like really, you know, click clickbaity, load of wish wash, buy my ebook, all that jazz. Like I can't 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 be doing it. Yeah. Um, exercises have become like hyper functional and 
I'm not a big social media person anyway, really. Yeah. I just occasionally have a little browse and a stalk, but when um, when all that pops up on like the explore bit of the explore feed is, you know, never the, never go into the explore, mate. <laughs> it's a dark place, yeah. dark place. Yeah, no, I I think I'd like to think that, but I think definitely we're we're. I don't know. I can't, don't, don't, don't even think I can say that. I'd, I'd like to think we're moving in a better direction. I think, as a general sense, we are. Um, but you know, social media is just—I think—just just a bad place to get any sort of health yeah. or fitness advice from. I think it's like a—it's a—it's a minefield. Yeah. And not saying there's, there's not there's not good there's definitely good stuff out there, but I just think, especially if you are new to it. Yeah. Um, as you said there, like everything that goes up on social media is to sell. And unfortunately, what people are interested in are the specific stuff. So what I have to even stop myself when I'm putting up posts and stuff like that is like I put in, I put up online because it gets it gets hits and people are interested in it. I put up probably the bot or the last 20 to 30 percent of stuff that goes into sessions with with athletes and clients that I work with the other 60 70 percent is very general like you know but it doesn't sell on social media like you don't realize like right when we go into the gym we're probably going to do a squat movement we're probably going to do a hinge movement we're probably going to do some unilateral stuff like and that'll be mainstays throughout like a lot a lot a lot of programs but then yeah. if you put that up online, people are typically going to be like, oh, well, he's just doing a split squat. Like, why would I go to him? Yeah, he but- just does the basics. But it's the basics that get you the results, isn't it? Yeah. I think you just need to change your Instagram handle to something more catchy, Pete. You know, <laughs> knees over toe guy seems to be doing quite a good job. Oh, nice. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I Like, I had a conversation yesterday with a few S&C coaches um, about this and social media breeds this as well because we were talking about sprinting and what is actually applicable and practical and what is not and we were talking about yeah. rotational forces and we were talking about um say position of your pelvis and your rib cage and stuff during sprinting and then we started going or like if you go one side or the other with that you go down say a weck or a bosch kind of rabbit hole and the trick is like it's not that those guys don't have anything that is applicable and practical it's that they found what was working and what was hitting and what was earning the money and selling stuff and they just went totally to that side yeah yeah Whereas as a coach, you have to be somewhere in the middle and kind of pick and choose things from each. Just don't go fully blown one way or the other. Like as you touched on there, knees over toes guy, a couple of the exercises that he's put up and stuff are very, very good, but it's all contextual. Like they're very, very good for the right person at the right time in their development or if they're being used to address a certain issue. Whereas what he's done is he's found that these exercises get a lot of interest online. And he said, this is the one size fits all cure for um, if you want to jump high or if you want to sprint fast, which as coaches, you know, is untrue, but you know what he's doing as well. And I, I, I've been where you were at as well and I, I do go there sometimes where you get frustrated at it but 
the other thing we're talking about is authenticity. So do I want to sell out to an extent and go down that rabbit hole and say that this is everything? Because then I'm going to be doing a fucking ATG split squat for the rest every day for the rest of my life, you know, with my clients. Yeah. And I know that that's not going to work for everybody. Yeah. Like, like you said, it's, 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 it's like, you know, some of his stuff, some of his exercises, right? No, like no problem. There's a time and a place for that. Um, but there's definitely a time and a place when they're not applicable, which I mean, to, I think to be fair, like what I've seen, he, you know, he's, he's quite good at saying, look, like I didn't start here. Like he, he you know, he, he disclaimers it all. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, it's just, it's good marketing. It's yeah. a good hype. Uh, you know, there's a couple of students asking me about it in school and stuff. And I'm like, you know what, like you can, again, just help, help, you know, help guide them through that. It's, yeah, okay. There'll be some, definitely some benefits from it. Yeah, increasing range is, mm. is, is never going to be a, a bad thing per se. But at some point, you know, it, at some point, you, you if you're playing sport, you're dealing with forces. Uh, so you can be as mobile as you want. But yeah, that's only going to get you, you know, so far. Um, a lot of the time as well, though, in terms of these deep range, not just him, but other people on Instagram with all these deep range exercises, like obviously it's very, very good to control range and they're always preaching, oh, we want to control through the range. But then you look at them going towards the end of the range and they're just putting all their stress on the the, uh, not soft tissues, like on on their hard tissues. Like it's all, they're just at the very bottom of the range and they're just sitting there. And it's like, well, I don't think that's going to cause the adaptation that you want or an adaptation yeah. that is you're ever going to get into when you're competing on field or, or on track or whatever. Yeah. They create yeah, kind of like- a personality around it. And then it kind of, it goes from there and they just kind of have to keep rolling with it because you'd see obviously these people on Instagram, if ever like, God forbid, like a fitness person put up a picture of a beer or whatever. They'd be like, what? I said, you said that alcohol was bad for you. And it's like, well, yeah, it's not great, but like, I still want to enjoy a beer every so often, you know? But again, that comes down to that, you know, back to that whole success criteria. And if you can, if you can establish that enjoyment, especially again, I'll take it always back to the youth aspect. If you can create enjoyment, that means that a kid is going to, most likely turn up to more sessions and if you can have that consistency in attendance for a two-year period like win like that's that's gold as opposed to what cracking the whip hard for four weeks and never seeing them again yeah. you've missed out on a on a huge you know opportunity but yeah you know i i, I you know back to the whole instagram stuff it's you know everyone's got an agenda and more often not it's trying to sell something or um uh, there's no there's no one size fits all as, as you said and that unfortunately doesn't sell uh, so it's again just gotta be, gotta be mindful like I said even my brothers the other day the whole sea spiracy thing that popped up and they were like oh you know we're never eating fish again I'm like hang on a minute one of my brothers is a farmer right so when cowspiracy came out he was all like no 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 cows aren't the enemy the same people have pretty much done this sea spiracy thing and now he's like avoid fish so i'm always just you know if, you, if you're going to get your educational advice and your lifestyle habits through netflix and instagram it's like bring back natural selection i don't know <laughs> we almost had it this year with covid but i'm not going to say anything else well, that. Uh, well even on the, even on the whole covid thing 
the again have not read the deep science on this, but you know those individuals that are obese are the ones that were more likely to be hospitalized and you know have you know longer symptoms or have had more of effect from from covid which I, again i don't think it's not really been spoken about and you look yeah. at where government where where, where are government going to put money mm. you know after this obviously yeah, get the economy restarted support people through it but i'm pretty sure in, in wales and the uk I'm not sure what's like in ireland yeah um that people sure like gyms are still like shut yeah um, but the chipper is open that makes sense doesn't it yeah but you know that's what that's what kind of it went along with like and you have to kind of tiptoe around it because you don't want to offend anyone god forbid but um it's they could have used this as a catalyst to say look we all need to get our health in order in order to be yeah. strong enough to fight off any disease not just um covid or whatever but unfortunately the way that it went and it wasn't like planned it wasn't a fucking illuminati planned it like it was um they kind of breeded a little bit of fear by telling everybody to go into your homes and shutting the gyms as you said and uh, saying that you can't do as many outdoor activities or you can't go this distance away from your house which from anecdotal kind of experience with people a lot of people have said that they've actually put on weight over COVID because they're not able to yeah. play sport and they're not able to yeah. meet up with their friends and go do things. So it's kind of contradictory in a way. But like as yeah. Shane Story put in last week's uh, podcast with him, like it's fine for us to have an opinion or whatever, but at the same level, they're doing what they're doing for a reason. And all that we can do as people that are working in this industry is try and help people within the constraints that and yeah. that are on us at the moment so um that's what a, 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 a bosh a bosh approach to it a constraints approach to covid <laughs> what we're trying to say yeah we're gonna get the water bags out everybody's <laughs> throwing around the water bags but there's a, um, there's a really good video i remember seeing ages ago uh called 23 and a half hours it's by a guy called doc mike evans it's got like seven or six million views on youtube um and that's just all about the power of half an hour worth of walking a day um and the benefits that can have uh on a whole host of symptoms health related mental physical um but again that doesn't sell maybe again change your instagram handle to a guy who walks or something i don't know mate make, i absolutely make walking trendy oh mate i'd say i was talking about this with my housemate he said like i'd say my neighbors think i'm fucking stone mad because i go for about four walks every day i'm like a dog so like I uh, I only have a finite amount of attention that I can give to something. So after about 40 to 50 minutes of focusing on something, or if I eat something, I have to go for a walk immediately afterwards. Um, because I find if I'm sitting for too long, the next thing that I go to focus on, what would usually take me that 40 or 50 minutes will take me two hours or two and a half hours because I won't be focused on it. So like you're oh, preaching to the choir there, mate. Like I like, and it's kind of been relaxed a little bit now, I suppose, but because there's tons of people walking every time I, I go walking, but in previous months, like there would be nobody out walking because they were kind of, they weren't encouraging it. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I wonder when everything does go back to semi-normal, how many people will actually change their lifestyle? Like, 
you know, will it change? I, I don't know. Like, it, it seems the, as soon as they, the, you know, the pubs? clubs and pubs <laughs> open up properly, then I can imagine people are rushing towards them as opposed to, you know, just living a more like active lifestyle. It doesn't have to take over your life, but yeah, I mean, we definitely don't help ourselves as a race. <laughs> We're the problem, mate. We are the virus. <laughs> there you've heard it here for first um yeah but self-sabotage is real like yeah even i found in terms of um drinking habits like i don't drink half as much as i did pre-covid or whatever now partly obviously i was in singapore and i didn't drink a whole pile when i was over there either because it cost a fucking fortune but um maybe i'm at a different stage of life now i will still have a few drinks but covid was good in terms of being the person that I am and the extreme person I am, it's taught me how to drink moderately. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's tough from someone coming from Ireland as well. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But um, yeah, I would, be, I, would, I would be worried about that when the pubs open and the clubs open. Are people going to go back to just drinking every week? Because I have like a couple of guys that work with me that would have been like that. They'd drink most weekends or a couple of weekends. And then obviously when the pubs were shut and stuff, um, they've just been amazed at the gains that they've made. Just yeah. like not all because of alcohol, but probably because their sleep has been better the whole way through the week. And because yeah. their sleep is better, uh, the choices that they make um, the next day in terms of healthy behaviors, going exercise and eating the right foods are a lot better as well. So it's just it just kind of breeds like yeah. being consistent. But then on the other side of that, because I'm so extreme, um, it's good that I live with the housemate that I do because he loves drinking and I will go the too far the other side in that I'll be focused completely on the training and completely on my work and I won't switch off and relax and de-stress and that's equally as bad yeah yeah well it's, it's, it's like the better yeah I, 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 I think it's, it's important you have people that keep you really, that keep the balance for you you get surrounding yourself with people that uh you know, respect, respect, understand you, but also then, you know, are happy to, you know, pull you or, uh, you know, offer and just nudge you when you, when you might not need nudging, but again, stops you being too comfy doing just your thing. Yeah. Um, which is again, baby David, like going to bring back into this conversation all about the carnival diet and just eating meat. And now he's got himself a great girlfriend who now makes him eat carbs every now and again. I think it's great for him. Yeah, 100%. I was talking to him about oh. that, not on the podcast, about the carnivore diet. And uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised, <laughs> um, to be honest. But speaking of baby David, then, it, I think it would be a good, as good a time as ever to ask you the question that myself and David um, debated so intensely. Oh, yeah. um, you are going for a gorilla in the fight between a gorilla and a grizzly bear. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I was, and um, my initial stance was, well, if they're in like a wooded area, like this, this gorilla is going to be climbing things. I perceive him to be more mobile, dodging, dodging swipes, potentially, you know, picking up weapons on the ground, maybe. However, since I have YouTubed grizzly bears fighting, and. I think I've changed my position because when those things go at it, mm. even if you just get, get clocked once, 
I think that's end of sports for uh, the gorilla. Unless context dependent, it's King Kong and then game over. True. <laughs> well, I don't know if you'd be happy or unhappy to hear this, but you have just swung the score in favour of the Grizzly Bear 3-2. I was sure that Gorilla was going to pull ahead there for a second, but somebody did come up with the same argument as you. It is, the environment is a big factor in it. It is, but still, even I thought about this, what the Gorilla's going to climb up a tree for a bit and then like tease the bear. At some point, it's got to come down and have a scrap. Um, and the, that, the mass of those those bears, assuming this is the biggest grizzly bear you can find, um, ethically. Uh, yeah, I think, well, it, I think, it's not going to be ethical if we're putting them in to fight to the death anyway. So you can worry. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, I, I think I, yeah, I, after 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 reconsidering my 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 position and being okay with. With admitting that I think I was wrong, uh, I think I'm going to have to go with the grizzly bear. Fair, and your your um, rationale is fairly concrete there as well, so I can't argue. Any, I know that you're a good man for a YouTube rabbit hole, so I thought I'd ask you: Have you been going oh, down geez. any any YouTube rabbit holes lately? Mate, uh, yeah. Uh, what have I done recently? Uh, I've gone down the steak rabbit hole. I've been trying to perfect how to cook a steak without a barbecue. Um, so I've gone down a few steak prepping YouTube channels and just makes my mouth drool. So give um, us give us the once over. Um, barbecue for the win. Barbecue <laughs> Even for if the you win. don't have a barbecue, find a barbecue. Um, <laughs> that just makes everything taste better. Um, what seasoning are you using? I, just salt. I've I've played around with different like peppers and all this jazz. Just salt and a good bit of like garlic butter when you're done. Yeah. Um, Do you but, put any anything any garlic or butter on it while it's cooking? Uh, I've tried both, um, and I haven't really found a noticeable difference apart from what's left in the pan at the end, and it's a bit harder to 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 clean up. So I just like salt them, bit of bit of pepper. Again, I've just bought a new pan. It's take. I haven't. I haven't perfected my times on each side of the steak on that. Hmm. Normally, I, it's about three minutes each side, and that gives me like a medium rare. Whereas in the other pan I was using, it was just like ninety seconds, and it was done. So I'm. I'm trying to work out the best. Um, That's what I was going to ask it. I was going. I was going to say, um, how do you usually have it? So you usually have it medium rare. Um, I would oh, yeah, well, be similar to what you just said in the way I actually cooked a steak two nights ago, and I would be slightly different the seasoning i just absolutely throw on more salt and pepper than i think that i need that's the rule that i yeah. go with yeah um way more then i put a tiny bit of olive oil into the pan and i make sure the pan is piping hot by the time i put it in then i'm putting the steak on for as you said three minutes either side cut like on the button three minutes either side and yeah. a bit of butter on the steak while it's cooking in the pan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, tried, I've done the whole butter in the pan and like I said, uh, butter's always a nice addition to anything. Um, but baby David told me this, that you shouldn't, he says that uh, avocado oil, or oh, here's some other oil, I can't remember what he said, has a yeah. higher smoke point than yeah. the olive oil. He told me I that. Don't, well. when, I don't know what that means, <laughs> if I'm honest, uh, but 
for me it's, it tastes good either way um, yeah exactly he likes his steak blue he literally has his steak still mooing um yeah. too chewy for me like i'm all for like a bit of a bit of blood but like i, I don't want to be like chomping on it for like half hour yeah i have it rare um which is strange given that we're leaving it for the same time on the pan must be different pans um, and i tell you pans are my eyes have only been open for this the past week pans are pans matter Right, well, I might go down that YouTube rabbit hole as well, so I might learn something. Um, right, so we'll finish up with the quickfire questions. Okay. Did you have a chance to look through them? No. Okay, brilliant. That's even better. Um, what animal would you be if you had to choose? No rationale, just what one word, animal. Sid uh, the sloth from Ice Age. <laughs> Fair. That's more than one word, but I'll allow it. Uh, proudest achievement to date. Oh, okay. The, I mean, there's, there's a few, but the first one that comes to mind would be would be being a part of the only Welsh basketball team to have won a gold medal at European Championships. Fantastic. That was something that I, w- I wanted to touch on, um, but we didn't get time. So I'll have to get you on again, I'm sure. Next midterm break, I'm sure, when you have the time. Yeah. Next favourite rugby player of all time. I mean, I'd have to go probably Shane Williams. Yeah, fair. An anomaly. Um, somebody that can do things that other people can't. And he's yeah. Welsh as well, which is a plus, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Favourite obscure footballer or footballing moment? I'm not sure if it'll pertain to Swansea City or not. Oh, no, it'll, it'll pertain to me being part of the mighty Cowbridge B team. When I was younger, what we lost you play? the game centre back. Yeah, I guess. we lost the we lost the team we lost by I think it was like twenty one nil or something <laughs> like that. We were dreadful. So that is my best my best football moment. Well, guys, it's all that matters is if you had fun. Well, we didn't. We lost twenty one nil, coach. <laughs> it was so good though. It was so good. Who's playing you in the movie? Oh. Without a doubt, Seth MacFarlane. He literally looks like me. Seth, oh yeah, true. He'd need a bulk you, you up. You pull up though. a picture. Yeah, what? I will. I will. I will. I'll put one up uh, on the next on the slide with the Instagram. Um, <laughs> what's your drink? If you're drinking, you're not milk. a big drinker, but yeah, milk. milk. Yeah, Bramba milk. It's the best brand. I found it in Singapore. Oh, so it's good. It's not the best though. It is. It's hands down. So good. What full was fat, the one that cream. I used to like? The creamery one. Dairy farm, is it? Dairy farm, yeah. I still contest I mean, it's that okay. it's better. No, 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 no. You're high. We'll agree to disagree. Uh, what meal or food are you loving at the moment? I suppose steak would be. I mean, I mean, I'm eating a lot of beef, and that's not going to please any vegan listeners. But I'm eating a lot of beef at the moment. But you don't have to please the vegan listeners. <laughs> you don't have to please anybody but yourself, really. Well, no, I, I'm I'm perfectly happy. I just I just I'm just thinking of all the backlash you're gonna get from the thousands of listeners you're gonna get from this <laughs> podcast. Too. Everybody wants to know what Ali Trotman's eating. How he can stay that big and that lean without training is a bit strange. Um, artists you've been listening to a lot recently? Um, actually, I've actually not been listening to, to to much music. If I'm honest, I've been um, I've been listening to Jordan Peterson's new. Um, new audiobook though beyond order that's what's been in my ears at the moment 
I that ties into the next question, so that's fine. Um, I haven't heard of it even. When did it come out? Uh, within the past month, I think, because he's he was ill for a bit of time, wasn't he? And now he's sort of made his appearance back into the yeah the YouTube sphere. So and does yeah, he for about a month? Does he read it? Uh yeah, that's a good question. I can't remember. He read his first one, didn't he? Yeah. I didn't. No, I didn't I'm get the sure. audiobook for the first one. Yeah, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure it, it's his voice. Last question: What would you tell your 18 year old self? Ooh. This is when I when I heard you ask this to baby David, I was like, "This is a good question," and this is a question that I always ask. That I always ask people as well. So this is a, this is a good one. I think it's quite generic, but I think just a bit more like just a bit more self belief in yourself. With regards to anything that you think you might want to do or might want to try, um, like just, just, just go for it. Sweet, and we'll leave it there. Thanks a million for coming on, Ollie. Thanks, Pete. We'll have you back again someday, hopefully. Yeah, anytime. <laughs>